You are listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith in life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. Recorded on the Boggy Bayou of Niceville, Florida, and hosted by James Ross and Justin Wyatt, pastors at Church on Bayshore, this podcast dives into how to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. We're so glad you're joining us here for week four, the exciting conclusion of God and Country. I'm here with my friend James Ross, and uh, we are ready to dive in. It's been a crazy uh, few months of, of election season and, and hurricane season. So uh, hopefully that is over here for those of us in Florida. And as that's coming to an end, election season is coming to an end, and we are wrapping up week four of God and Country. So we've got some questions that people uh, gave us over the past few weeks, and today we're going to answer those questions. Before you ask those, I just want to ask you, question. Tell me about our new setup here. We have these microphones and this cool background. Um, I found these in a dumpster and spray painted them. They're just for show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and this is, it's just cool. I look in and I like things to look cool. So yeah, very cool. They were, it was on sale and we got a great deal. Actually, Mana Church and Crosspoint Church, just, they're not using it anymore, and we're Baptists, so we're kind of a little behind the curve. So That's right. So, yeah. Jeremy, thank you very much. Yeah, that when I say clearance, it was the dumpster, <laughs> you know. Well. well let's, so, so let's dive into these questions. Also, how do you have so much better posture than I do? It's just because I'm six foot four, and like, if I didn't have good posture, uh, I I'm would— like, all right, let's talk serious <laughs> stuff today. Already be much, yeah, these, these stools don't have much of a back. So I, I don't of, know that the people listening understand what I'm talking about. But they probably do. I think you can tell by the way we talk who has better posture. Right. Um, <laughs> clearly, I articulate a little bit. No. <laughs> well, it's because you were going to be an opera singer. That's right. Uh, that was my uh, destiny uh, for a while <laughs> in a little bit in college. And when you were in charismatic churches. That's that right. <laughs> it went over super well. That was uh, my track in college for a while, and God had other plans. A little known fact about Justin Wyatt. So Sweet. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the question. Sorry. So here we Go question number one. Now that yeah, people are I uh, yeah so uh, so at little. First of all, ask us night. more questions. We only had four questions. Only four. I guess it's because we explained things so that, that well. That might be true. And we're so clear. About people had everything. questions, and then Dean came on last week, and he like answered all of them. Every single one. And uh, yeah, so thanks, Dean. We appreciate that. Yes. Buy his book, Unsafe Christian. <laughs> um, so the first question we got is this: How much does eschatology? A play into our view of America. And by eschatology, we're talking about end times. So if you don't know that uh, churchy word, eschatology is basically the doctrine and study of end times. So how much does eschatology play into our view of America? So, well, first of all, I would say if you want to have a great understanding of eschatology, there's a movie called Left Behind. <laughs> no, not, not the not, Kirk, not the Kirk Cameron version, but the Nicholas Cage. Everything's version. better with Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like the Christian version of National Treasure. All right. Okay. Well, this is going to take forever if I don't stop joking around. So, <laughs> and I'm sleep deprived, so nothing is making sense to me right now. Um, well, that's because you had an all night prayer vigil for the election. Today. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You're on a roll today. Okay, all right. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that one, and then you can chime in. So, um, 
Yeah, I absolutely believe that eschatology plays uh, an important role in how people view uh, America. And when I say important, I mean it's just significant for them. Uh, however, I do wonder, uh, in in light of what we've been talking about, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, mm-hmm. so I think for some people, perhaps uh, it's their eschatology that then affects the view of the nation. But I think more it's their nationalism that they then say, well, eschatology, of course, has to fit in how I view my nation. <laughs> so you know, it, it's this cycle uh, that people have, and and I think that every generation reads the Bible and says, how does that fit? You know, right now mm-hmm. and. There, there's some good in that, but I also think there's some arrogance in that. Uh, I think I mentioned to you that someone on Facebook, uh, he's a pastor. I don't even know him, so I don't know how we're friends, but um, he— You just randomly friend people, you know. Yes, yes, yes. I'm actually trying to get sponsors to buy better mics so we don't dumpster <laughs> dive. Uh, so, no, he, he posted about, like, how Habakkuk was filled in Trump, and I'm like, dude, please, don't post that stuff. Like, that's mm. that's— I mean, okay, there's a point zero. Unicorns may have existed as well, but to use that from the Bible, you know, is just right. not solid Bible study. Right. So, so I think there's a lot of arrogance in how we view um, the nation, and I and I just I personally think that people love America so much, and I, and I, when I say this, I mean you should. We've said very clearly over and over again, you. It's great to love your nation. You should love your nation. You should value the people who have sacrificed for you. But there's an unhealthy elevation of it, as we've referenced. And I just don't think a lot of people can imagine a world without America. And so they think if America is coming to an end, then the world is going to come to an end. And the truth is the world could go on for hundreds, if not thousands of years post-America. We would not be the only nation that that's true. That's pretty – that's – over history, that's yes. been the case. And I think probably every culture or nation that is no longer thought that at some point, like we are the, you know, because we live where we are. So we are the center of our world view. Right. And so people have thought, you know, of course we'll be here. Yeah. Imagine when Rome came to an end. I mean, certainly the world is coming to an end, you know, right. or, or uh, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, and, and I think, you know, Eschatology, I have a lot more thoughts on all that, and we don't have time in this. But That'll I, be a future buggy talk. Maybe, maybe. I don't buggy think talks three because. people would stay tuned for the whole <laughs> month. But um, I do think that we diminish who Christ is when we put an unhealthy emphasis on this kind of stuff. I really do. Mm-hmm. So. And I think— too is you know people are so oftentimes get so enraptured in eschatology no pun intended and I think one of the <laughs> that was a really bad joke wasn't it, uh, it was I bad. was sitting on that one it was um, but I uh, I think that you were sitting on the rapture joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of people are people's view of end times oftentimes is more informed by things that they've seen or yeah. heard or watched rather mm-hmm. than scripture. Yeah. And I think, you know, I remember when the left behind books were huge, yeah. uh, like in the, in the late nineties, two thousands, I mean, people just devour these things. Yeah. And I really think a lot of people's views of, of the end times is informed more by absolutely that fictional account of one possible, you know, one view of eschatology uh, than in what Scripture says. And I think when we go ahead, no. Go ahead. So eschatology is formed more from what Tim LaHaye has said than what John has said. Is Correct. I think that is true, and it's I don't craziness. think that was Tim LaHaye's 
intent yeah, I don't know in writing the books. I don't know. Him Thank personally. you for your contributions yeah. to Liberty University. Though. Right. But, <laughs> but I think, you know, we have to realize that, like you said, there is no promise of the United States of America as they exist in the end. And so what does that do for us now? I think a lot of times we're looking for signs and, 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 you know, this fulfillment of this, this prophecy, and we're applying things that maybe don't apply. And here's the, here's always the, like, people often want to just study the book of Revelation. Any small group I've been a part of, or, you know, hey, we're going to study the book about, oh, we're going to do Revelation. I'm like, man, yeah, it's the word of God, and we should study it, and we should try to understand it. But I think a lot of times people want to study that because they think we want to go down rabbit holes about what if, what if, what if, what if. And here's mm-hmm. the bottom line. As a Christian living in the kingdom right now in the year 2000, like, and moving forward, like, our responsibility is in the year 2000. In the it's year, 2020. That's I'm so. I looked at my like, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Told you I'm sleep deprived. In the year 2020. Thank you for catching that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the year 2020, and moving forward is that you know Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. And so does that change anything about our calling mm. and our purpose as Christians yeah. to, to make disciples of all nations? No. Yeah. And so let's do that. Amen. Let's, you know, Amen. let's focus on that. Amen. Um, so, yes, love your country. Jesus is coming back and share yeah. the gospel. Yeah. Amen. All right. So the next question is, what do you think about people like Pastor Greg Locke? Uh, And so I'm going to let you explain who that is and maybe kind of that type, because I didn't know who that was until we got this question. Neither did I. So that's okay. Uh, But I did uh, Google him (laughs) and uh, found out information about him. And, you know, he, uh, along with others, uh, have been very focused on uh, the church's and I'm trying to simplify this, you know, and, and, and I certainly that doesn't give respect to the the breadth of someone's ministry and speaking. But, you know, I have been very focused on the right of the churches, the right of Christians, religious liberty, those kind of things. And I think all that has been heightened through um, the COVID, you know, times, if the you want to call that. Yeah, the COVID times. And, um, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about him, MacArthur, others. Because on one hand, you know, I absolutely do see um, inconsistency in the application of assembly, you know, and enforcement of that. Um, So I get that resistance to governments telling us as Christians or any faith that we can't gather um, and I'm just cards on the table. I am, I wouldn't say I'm anti shutdown, but I am very much critical of a lot of the shutdowns we've done because I just, in my limited view of things, don't think it's the best long-term I, I solution. So, so I kind of, I side with them in that, but I don't like the arrogance. I'll be honest with you in which many of them have communicated um, their feelings. And, you know, there's an assumption that our government leaders uh, have bad intentions when some of them, I think, are trying to, based on their worldview, make decisions that are uh, as responsible as possible to protect as many people as possible. And so I think a kinder, softer dialogue from Christian leaders uh, should be out there. You know, um, and I and I even in our own church, the arrogance, you know, I, I find very frustrating. You know, 
I don't know that masks work. I mean, I'll be honest with you, but I really don't know. Yeah. And so, you know, why and do I wear them in all situations when I'm around people who don't care and assume the risk and aren't super vulnerable? No. But at the same time, like, I don't need to be rebellious about that. I don't understand what we're being rebellious about. And again, I think a lot of us, this is just the self-examination. Are you spreading the gospel? No, then you really don't care about freedom of religion. I mean, you just care about your rights. And MacArthur said, and he said this publicly, the first thing is it's our right as Americans. Now, Chris, a pastor should never say that the reason we're doing something, first of all, is because of our right as Americans. Mm. Like that's like that the doesn't third apply. Yeah, that doesn't apply to other cultures. Yeah. So how can you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if we're saying we're gathering, we're saying we're gathering because God has told us to gather and we feel convicted that we need to gather together. And... You know, and in this country, we do have the rights. Not first and foremost, we have the right. You know, so uh. yeah, I think for me, it's uh, you know, I I tend to be a little more trusting of authority in terms of you know, and so I'm like, well, I I wear a mask because, like you said, I mean, I I'm I think it helps. You're a sheep, Justin. You're a sheep. <laughs> Somebody would say that, and I'd be like, bah. You know, we like, are all sheep. Yeah, we all are. Like and I think shepherd. that's just like stop telling people that disagree with you that they're. Dumb, you know. I think yeah. that's just our mentality, and I think I, I tend to be a little more trusting. And I, I my issue uh, with a lot of uh, people who, you know, MacArthur, and you know, and I get the the heart. Like we we want to gather as a Christian as we should, but I think there it gets played off as this like we are being persecuted. And I just don't think that's persecution um, because they still could gather yeah. outdoors, and they're just saying, hey, we. My some my, can't, some can't gather outdoors, right? But, you know, but, my limited understanding. Granted, yeah. but it's like they're not saying you can't meet. You're saying, hey, can you do this for this season? Because we're still figuring this out, and right. I get it's complicated with government and there's agendas and all that. But I don't think it's right to play it off as as persecution. And, and yeah, and I feel like you know, I think it says something about the church if government leaders are like these protesters keep being irresponsible, but the church we're not having a problem with. Like, mm. I think that says something to our government, yeah. um, which is secular, and that probably gets us into our next question. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, another question that came, uh, and this is a good question, is that basically, as as Christians in America, in the United States, shouldn't we be so thankful for our freedom that we want that for everyone else? And the question was kind of like, we... We have so much freedom. Yeah. Shouldn't we want that for everyone else? Yeah. And I, I think that the sentiment here, just from some conversations that I've had recently and over the past, is like, you know, when we're talking about, hey, you know, we at our church, we're not going to remove the flag from the sanctuary, but we don't do patriotic services. We, we, we celebrate the 4th of July and things like that, but we don't incorporate that in our service. And a lot of churches don't have flags in their service is... Um, but shouldn't we be just so thankful that that is a part of our worship? Um, and, you know, I think we kind of explained worship and that in the first one. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't listened to that yet. But I think that, yeah, we should be thankful for the freedom we have. But <laughs> um, I don't know that we have an unprecedented amount of freedom. I mean, yeah, I, because I I've never lived in any other 38 years in, time, in history. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yes. think there's a good valid case. Right. You could say, yeah, yeah. because, and I think here in the United States, one of the things that we really do enjoy is this, is the freedom of, of thought, you right. know, that you yeah. can, you know, it you can dissent and, you know, there's not 
necessarily full repercussions for that. You can voice your opinion, and I, we should cherish that. Yeah. Uh, but that quote unquote right yeah. for us, uh, you know, take it to another context where they're not free. You know, as a Christian, yeah. does that inhibit the gospel spreading? Um, and when you look at you know countries where persecution of Christians is the highest, right? That is where there's the most growth yeah. of the church. That you know, in in most cases, the yeah. countries where the church is growing the fastest yeah. is countries that do not Absolutely. enjoy the liberties and freedoms that we do as individuals. So and the IMB, I think, did a study on that a couple of years ago about like ten factors in rapid church growth movements, you know, evangelistic movements, and one of them was persecution. So it's like. Yes, I'm thankful for the men and women who've died to protect my freedom. But on the other hand, it's kind of this paradox because our freedom isn't leading to the flourishing of the church the way it should. It's mm-hmm. leading to bigger buildings. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think as a Christian, it's like, you know, if you go back historically in the United States, like, uh, you know, religious freedom is, yes. is, is, a, is something that we cherish as a, as a nation. And that really is, I believe— Ish. Yeah, <laughs> because we yeah. haven't we we many who would say this don't respect the rights of Muslims to right. worship. Yeah, I, I, I do. I yeah, think absolutely. And yeah. I think it's a, it's a Christian. It really comes. I, I believe the the desire for religious freedom and religious liberty stems from a Christian worldview where right. we understand Agreed. that relate that religion is not uh, just something you you do, but it is this. We believe a re, a relationship yeah. with with. God through his son, Jesus Christ, and there's a redeeming work. It's not acts that you do, and it's not works. And so the the flow of that is we understand that this is something that people have to, to I don't know, walk into, they have to choose, they have to, you know, it's not just, I did these three things, so I am a Christian. You have to be enraptured. In That's it, right. right. <laughs> by it. And so we, we should desire that for all people. You know, but we also desire for all people to know Jesus. Yeah, and I think I think, and this kind of backs to back to week two when we were talking about this is up for debate right now. I mean, I don't mean it should be up for debate, but it's there's this tension, and there has always been this tension about our freedom because, like I said, you know, some people who believe in freedom of religion really meant freedom of Christianity, freedom from you know the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and then also you know, the Civil War was primarily about slavery, but. Wrapped into that was like our rights to have slavery, you know, and our freedom. Mm -hmm. And we saw, you know, our nation was like, no, you don't have the freedom to do that because it devalues humanity. And so I think that's really the debate right now is like, where does one person's freedom, you know, fringe upon some a a life in the womb? But but somebody else doesn't consider that to be life. Mm -hmm. So then what do we do with that? You know, and and other other issues related to that. Um, also, I would just say in this, like, yes, we should be so thankful for the freedoms we do have. I mean, to God and to those who have who have paved the way for that freedom through the sacrifice of, you know, their lives in many cases. Uh, however, so so we, we coach flag football teams. Our kids are on flag football teams. We have tournament this week. We hope we win at all, yeah. right? So if we win at all, we are the best. But that doesn't mean our team's favored by God. Yeah. And so if America is the best nation that has ever existed— that doesn't mean that we're favored by God. And Israel was favored by God in the Old mm-hmm. Testament. It very clearly says that. Yeah. And yet God said to them, basically, I'm going to punish you and discipline you. And, you know, Jesus would come very clearly and say, hey, you know, I curse the fig tree that represents Israel because you didn't honor me with your freedom. And so I think we have to be careful as believers that we recognize where that freedom is 
belongs, and we're constantly pointing to that. And again, I think that has a lot to do with the challenges in our nation. Yeah, I think, you know, as, as Christians too, you know, Dean referenced this last week, First Peter uh, chapter 2. It says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we I see that. I thought you had that memorized. I, I, like, I do, bro. but I didn't want to like okay. miss okay. a word. You okay. know, sometimes you just like, I think I got it. <laughs> but, you know, I think that is our, our, our calling as God's people, that it's not mm-hmm. a chosen physical nation yeah, now. That's right. It is a... It is a people of God, and so we want, do we want this for everyone? Yes. And so we are thankful, and so I think, I believe, you know, we try to teach this to our kids. Like, we show we're thankful, not just with our words, but with how we live. Mm -hmm. And we show our thankfulness with our generosity. We show our thankfulness for the the freedoms that God's given us, the things He's blessed us. We show our thankfulness with our hospitality. We show our thankfulness in how we steward everything. And so, as Christians in the United States, we have to say, okay, if I am thankful, and goodness, I'm thankful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't, you know, and I think as you get older, you realize, wow, you know, I, I have even more to be thankful for oh, yeah. as you as you get to hear people's stories of, of mm-hmm. sacrifices they've made for this country. Wow, we are thankful, and we, we just should hopefully grow in that thankfulness. But we demonstrate that thankfulness in how we steward it mm-hmm. and how we uh, use it ultimately for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so last question, <laughs> softball. <laughs> just kidding. So uh, I'm going to preface this question because as I read it, it could sound to some people who vote a certain way to be, um, I don't know, derogatory or, you know, that you're wrong and I'm right. And this was a question that came from someone. And and the source of this question was someone who genuinely wants to understand and it's not accusatory at all. So just that being said, uh, please understand. Take all this in a measure of grace. But the question was, they were genuinely trying to understand how... Are you leaning away from me? I'm just waiting for the question. (laughs) Here we go. I'm going to build it (laughs) up. Um, How can a Christian uh, vote for a Democrat? And uh, so that was the question that was posed. And, you know, we received that humbly. And let's talk about that. Yeah. So, again, and I I know who asked this question, too. And I just want to reiterate, you know, I think they just genuinely want to understand, you know, and, and we'll kind of unpack that. So I think the first thing is, let's say it's not, but let's say voting for a Democrat, we're wrong. But I'm not saying it is, but look, voting for to a Democrat. To be clear. <laughs> voting for a Democrat, we're wrong. Well, I would say, how can a Christian commit adultery? How can a Christian say belittling things to someone else? Mm-hmm. And we do. We do those things. You know, I'm not, we actively do those <laughs> things. But, we don't, we try know. not to. <laughs> yeah. But Christians but we do. do things that are against God's will consistently. And, you know, that's his grace. And, and I think that there are things probably, um, you know, we will struggle with. I think we can start debating if we say something's a habitual sin, we can debate lordship. But, you know, so, so I certainly would say that a Christian can can essentially do anything. They should not do anything, but they can do anything uh, because we live in a fallen world and we are not sanctified immediately. It's a process. Um, I think where this individual is coming from is how can a Christian vote for a Democrat knowing that Democrats are are pro-choice and and they label the pro-choice agenda, if you want to use that word, as women's rights. But ultimately, Mm -hmm. it does facilitate or 
lead to the desire to have less and less restrictions on abortion. So how can you vote? I've talked to Christians, friends who um, are going to vote Democrat. And I think, one, it's, it's important to understand that, you know, as we ask this question, as James said, like, probably the main issue people are talking about is, is abortion. Um, and, and from those people that, I've, that have shared, and they are, these are earnest, pro-life, Jesus-loving people, um, and they would say that uh, historically they have found that the policies of Democrats have actually reduced the number of abortions, even though the platform is uh, is pro-choice. So you can and we can argue about that. You can debate mm-hmm. that. I'm just I'm I'm quoting what's been shared yeah, with me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I've heard that as well. Um, and then and two that we have to recognize. You know, we are to white pastors, you know, uh, there is, there are a lot of Christians, you know, I would say historically, and we don't have time to get into the, 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 the growth and development and evolution of our current political system and really the specific issue of abortion. Uh, there's some, there's some things out there you can read, you know, I encourage you to, to understand that a little bit more, but, you know, probably 90% of the African-American church historically has voted Democrat. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we can fairly ask this question because in some ways, because it's an assumption that we're right, they're wrong mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in asking that question. So I well, think, go ahead. No, I think in those situations, so, so for me, you know, growing up as a white middle class and really family raising up in middle class, and then here I'm white and middle class, like these other issues don't affect my life that immediately. I'm not saying I shouldn't value them. To, to cause me to see it as more than one issue in the election. So, you know, personally, I will not vote for a Democratic candidate. I mean, I'll just, because of this issue, because of this platform. However, if you are of the mindset that it doesn't matter who's going to win the election, abortion is still going to be legal, it's not going to have, and there are these other pressing issues, it makes it easier to say, okay, it's not a one issue deal. Right. You yeah, know. there's other issues. There's issues of, you know, immigration, there's social issues and, you know, this things that 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 are the other issues that are character of the candidate. Yeah. Yes, that people yeah. would consider just as important. We just have to be super mindful that issues are complicated and yeah. we need to seek to understand uh, as much as we can another perspective uh, that um, there are other issues that other Christians would see as equally as important. And then, you know, an, another vein in this current election, you will hear uh, people voting Democrat is, you know, goes back to, to character. And we're not going to get into that because all both both major party candidates, I believe, have character flaws, as we do as well. Um, and really, they, they're saying, well, I just they're trying to steward their vote as best they can. Yeah. Uh, realizing that neither candidate is a perfect solution. And I think that, honestly, a lot of Christians voting mm-hmm. uh, Republican this election feel the same way. Yeah. And I think bottom line, for I think whether you are voting Republican or Democrat, it's we, we all understand this is a difficult election, uh, and, and both in Christians voting either way are doing what they 
they, a lot most have the same goal, but and they're doing voting in a way that they feel like will bring about that goal. We're talking Agree about or some, disagree. We're talking about something in such a short period of time yeah. that is so we deeply, need a couple of hours. <laughs> deeply embedded. But I think this is where we ultimately get into the problem here is that you know, and again, I Facebook, I can tell you this. Somebody said, Hey, vote how the Bible tells you to vote. It's like vote for the Christian candidate. I'll say this very clearly. There is not a Christian candidate in this election. You know, there's not a clear, this is who the Bible says to vote for candidate. And I'd love to have that discussion with you personally, because that's the reality. In 2016, I did not have a problem that many of my Christian brothers and sisters were saying they thought Trump should be president, not Hillary. I did have a problem that they were saying, that's God's man. You know, I mean, I just, that is... In my opinion, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. So you know, again. Describing something to him that he's not clear on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, it's okay to say this is who I think should be the candidate. I prayed about it. I've read the scriptures. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay to say. But it's different to say this is who a Christian will vote for. This is whatever. Even as – I uh, again, I'll, I'm laying all my cards on the table. I will not vote for a Democrat. Mm-hmm. I, I mean – not anytime soon and not unless that issue changes. I mean, the question for me is, am I going to vote Republican or, and I'm non-party, or am I going to vote, not vote or whatever it may be? Because I can't vote knowing, hey, they're, right. they're totally okay with that. Yeah. But not everybody shares that feeling with me mm-hmm. because of these other issues that, that rise up. Yeah. And I think that's exactly how a lot of people feel. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I think, you know, we, and we not, I, go back to what we said a few weeks ago, we should feel this way. Like we yes. should feel this tension of, yes. I d- like, this is heavy. You know, it is clear, not clear, excuse me. And I think ultimately our hope is, is Jesus. And I, we don't, as Christians voting, we don't use that as a cop out to not right. think about this. Right. We don't say, oh, well, in the end, Jesus wins. Well, that is true. That's not a, that's not a, uh, that's not a good enough uh, statement to say, well, I just don't have to engage because of that. And I personally can tend to really overthink these things because I'm just like, I just want to be right. And I read this uh, quote from a guy named Michael Weber, and I, it was very helpful for me. Uh, and it says this, here's the thing we must understand. We so often think about politics as a forum for self-expression and self-actualization, for the exertion of our personal will But politics, especially voting, rarely even approaches that because political decisions come to us pre-mediated and multivariable. And here's the the quote that was extremely helpful to me. When you vote in an election with the exception of a write-in ballot, you are not voting for your dream candidate. Your vote is not an unmediated expression of your identity. Your vote is a choice between options you did not choose yourself. Mm -hmm. If you view your vote as an unmediated, pure expression of your will, it can be debilitating. Mm. Now, I wanted to share that today because I think, you know, today is the day of the election. Uh, We, you know, I don't know when we'll know the results, uh, but I think... Three years. (laughs) 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 But I think if you felt that, uh, as I have, like, be be free and know, like, don't be debilitated by the fact that you have to choose or write someone in. Uh, And it's because no candidate, it's not a personal expression of our identity. Yeah. Uh, And so, you know, so as we approach, you know, many people, you already voted or you're voting today, I just say like, you know, pray, discern God's will, be humble. And ultimately as Christians, our, our mission doesn't change. And we are called to live 
in fellowship and in unity and not let politics get in the way of that. Yeah, I think that's a great closing to that question. And I don't think we have any more questions. And so I'd just like to say, you know, tomorrow there's a chance we'll wake up and we'll have um, either the same president or a new president elect. And regardless of who's elected tomorrow, my mission and goals in life are the exact same. And the direction that I'm taking in my life is the exact same. Who is the president? Who is the governor? Who is the mayor? Etc. probably affects the circumstances of my life. The nation we live in on earth affects the circumstances of our life, but they don't change my character and they don't change the choices that I'm making. Um, and I would say that if it does, and you put that kind of weight into it, then perhaps Jesus is not your Lord. Perhaps no. you are not living for the kingdom of God. And it's so much bigger. It's so much greater. And, you know, as I've said multiple times, you know, if you've been running from God, um, you can't outrun his grace. And we're here for you, whether you're a member of our church or you're watching this from, you know, wherever. Uh, we're here for you to help you see how good it is to live as a kingdom citizen on this earth. Yeah. That's right. It's freeing. It is freeing to do that. We thank you so much uh, for joining us for this last episode of God and Country. Next week on Boggy Talk, we're kicking off a new three-week uh, series in the month of November. November is National Adoption Month, and so we want to talk about orphan care, foster care, and adoption, implications of that for the church, how the church can and should be engaged, uh, ways to be engaged, and ways maybe not to be engaged. So we hope you'll join us for that uh, beginning next week. That's it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Boggy Talk. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a beat.